Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here as the tennis season in 2021 is winding down. This week's guest on our show is that dual threat we've been uh, having on a few times this year. Still playing, commenting for Tennis Channel. Just heard him on the airwaves. You'll see him in action in the desert at World Team Tennis this year at Indian Wells. It's Nick Monroe joining the show. Nick, Thank you for joining, and uh, we'll start with this. Are you still riding high from that North Carolina win over undefeated Wake Forest? <laughs> I sure am, man. That was huge for us. And obviously, with our, the way our football team is playing, we're, we're high scoring, but our defense is obviously giving up a lot of points, but we were able to get a W, so I'll take it. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of defense in that game, uh, but it was, <laughs> it was a good one. It's kind of maybe that season salvaging win and uh, some big tough games coming up. So I know you're a, a Tar Heel. Yeah, I, had to, yeah. I had to get that in there. No, you had to get that in there. I mean, we're obviously more of a basketball school, and we had high hopes for our football team starting the year 10 in the country, I believe, is what we started at. We've had some tough losses, so to be able to beat Wake Forest was, was, was big for us. Well, as we transition to the tennis court, uh, I'll, I'll ask this as we get into that conversation. you The last time we talked about we were talking about playing doubles, and you're going into the French Open at the time and having some different partners and You've continued to play with some of the best rising young Americans. I was looking at since then, you know, Fritz, Opelka, recently Nakashima. Nakashima has been playing yep. in this next-gen tournament. You just called his his victory in that match yep. today. What was it like sharing the court with him, and what did you see from his game from getting the chance to play with him in an actual competitive match? No, it was amazing to play with Brandon. I mean, he's such a great player. You know, we, we – we, uh, he actually asked me to play two weeks before that challenger there in Brest, and, and it was a no-brainer, obviously, for me. And um, He's a great player. You know, obviously, going into a doubles match with him, I wasn't quite sure, you know, should I talk about a lot of strategy with him? Going in with single players, you kind of want them to do their thing. You know, they're very talented, return well, serve well. But he was interesting because, you know, a couple hours before the match, he was like, hey, man, what do you know about these guys? What are strengths and weaknesses? So he's a student of the game. You know, you, I think you can see that in his singles matches as well. He kind of goes about his business, stays very even keel. And, you know, same for doubles. You know, he wanted to know, okay, where should we, where should I return? Should I hit more to the forehand volley, backhand volley? And, uh, and I think that's only going to help him in his singles, right? And then playing with him in doubles, I mean, he obviously served really well. He, he you know, I barely missed returns. Um, you know, he's just a great player. So it was really fun to be on the court with him. He's had a very uh, solid year. He's had some big victories, and, and it's starting to kind of, you know, embark on that pro journey. But it's good to hear that he's a student of the game. Just 20 years old, uh, hard to believe, and uh, showing out in the next-gen tournament, which we'll get to in a second. But there's a couple different stories this week, Nick, and I think we, we owe it to him to just continue to talk about it. And my appreciation for Andy Murray, who's actually playing right now uh, against Tommy Paul. But he beat uh, the number one seed in Stockholm, Yannick Sinner, his second top 10 win of the year, coming off the heels of beating Herkosh uh, a few weeks prior. But he beat him in straight sets, and it was a match where it just 
you know, it highlighted everything that's good about this guy. And I, and I actually just put this on Twitter. It's, it's the old adage in sports, right? Nick, like you can't coach heart. This guy just continually battles to, you know, I can't gush enough about what he's doing with the miles on his body and the fact that he doesn't really need to be doing this at his age, but he's still out there competing and battling and, and trying to get better, loving the process of getting better every week. No, he absolutely loves the process. You know, it was amazing. I was able to watch he and Francis and Antwerp in the first round, you know, sitting behind behind the court watching and and they went three hours and forty minutes, three sets, seven, six, six, seven, seven, six, and the guy it was one of the best tennis matches I've ever seen. I mean the guys these were extended rallies. Andy Murray, what I was what I was impressed with was just how he's moving, right? With the metal hip. Yeah. You know, when he first came back the guy drop shot at him. He, he really couldn't run for it. And if he did, he, you know, he probably wasn't going to get it. But the movement of the guy against Francis Tiafo in Antwerp was insane. And so he's just, you know, he's moving better. He's continuing to improve. He's getting wild cards in any event that he, that he wants to, which he well deserves because he's showing that he can still beat these top players. And, you know, he had a quote where he said, he said, look, like I'm not, you know, I think believe his last week, he just said, look, I, I'm sometimes not winning these, tight matches that I should be winning, but it, it's coming around the corner. So he's still staying with the process and obviously beating Yannick Sinner, who's been playing some amazing tennis. And uh, I think Andy Murray still has a lot left to be said in the game. Yeah, that, that loss that TFO had to Murray looks a lot better than it, <laughs> than it did in the last couple of weeks, what Murray's been able to do. Uh, and and I, I agree with all that. I also think uh, looking back at Indian Wells when he lost his Zverev, the outside approach was like, oh, Murray competed. It was great. Murray's response in the press conference was, I, I'm not happy. Like, I made mistakes out there. I still believe I can play at this top level. And, and he's showing that week in, week out. I also just, I love the fact that he's clearly frustrating his opponents out there. Like, he knows so much about what it's like to be in these tight matches that even Yannick Sinner, somebody with a lot of potential who's had a great year, he was a little bit flustered by what Murray was doing and that compete level that he brings in every single match. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, he just, he's the ultimate competitor and, and, you know, he realizes that he can beat these top players, right? So he still feels like, look, like, why can't I be top five in the world again? You know, I, I'm, I'm showing that I can hang with them. I'm showing I can, I can still defend. I mean, the biggest thing for his game was all about being able to defend and counterpunch and then, and then go aggressive when he needed to. So when he first came back, he couldn't really defend like he used to be able to, but now, he's realizing like, look, week in and week out, I'm getting better. I mean, he's playing every single week, which is awesome to see, you know, a guy with a metal hip and, you know, you think, okay, maybe you take a week off somewhere. No, no, no. He's playing it every single week he can because he knows with matches, he's going to continue to improve and his level of defense is just outstanding still. It really is. The Stockholm tournament has got a lot of fun and interesting storylines. There's been a lot of players making their breakthrough. One in particular that I, I have to bring up is Francis Tiafo. He won again today, getting to the semifinals. He beat Stan Evans uh, by three three set scoreline. All of them were six one. A lot of breadsticks in that one. But this is somebody that you've played a lot of doubles with. He's a friend of yours, Nick. And it is clearly, I think, at this point, what he's been doing these last couple of weeks, months, even is a breakthrough from from your perspective. What does this look like, and are you at all surprised that the moment is happening now? Do you think that this is was only a matter of time, and, and what does it mean to see somebody like Diafo, very popular, very respected in the locker room and in the stands alike? What's it like to see him have his breakthrough? No, it, you know, again, I think it was only a matter of time. You know, it's funny. I talked to him an hour before his match today, and then we he FaceTime videoed me while I was on air today. So, <laughs> so I, I took a second just to, just to say hello, but, you know, he just said, 
he goes, man, I'm, I'm growing, you know? So he realizes, he said, you know, this is, this is all growth and I can feel it. You know, he's realizing how to stay in every point, right? You know, we've seen Francis go up and down with his, with his ability just to stay focused in matches. Um, so that has improved a lot. And then also Wayne Pereira has done a great job. You know, Wayne Pereira is making him, is holding him accountable for, a lot of his things now, you know, now Francis is having to drop his own rackets off, book his own practice courts, find his own practice partners, you know, not that Wayne can't do that, but you know, Francis has been used to a lot of people doing everything for him. So this is making him kind of be more accountable, you know, realize that this professional tennis is my job. I can also take care of myself um, as opposed to everyone kind of taking care, you know, of him taking care of other things. But anyway, so it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this growth is, is huge for him. Um, and it's just the beginning, you know, and obviously he's shown he can beat Sissy Pass twice this year, uh, beat Diego Schwartzman, who he almost beat him in Barcelona as well. He was up a set and, and a break there. So, I mean, you know, the top guys don't want to face Francis Tiafo. You know, if anything, they're hoping he wins this tournament. So he's ranked inside the top 32 and will be seated at Australian Open and not have to face him first round, you know. So yeah. it's uh, it's awesome to see. And, and uh, you know, he's improved his serve. He's going bigger on his serve, which, which Wayne Ferrer has been helping him on as far as his body weight shifting into the court as opposed to falling back. And that's improved a ton because you saw on big points in Vienna, he was going for corners um, as opposed to in the past, he would serve quite a bit into the body and, and slice it in and, and just kind of get the point started. And now in big moments, he's going for big serves and big spots and trusting it and trusting himself, you know? So I think he just has more confidence in, in his ability and he's also putting in more work off the court you know he's doing a lot of work with his with his fitness trainer brett walt who is a fitness trainer and, and physio so you know brett's doing a great job brett lives in phoenix but travels with francis pretty much every week um and also it's helping having his buddy jordy arcanada who played at Tex a&m kind of as a hitting partner but also as a buddy to be there and, and just kind of you know a guy to hang out with they know each other since they were 10 years old so he's got a great team around him and then you know for for me and him playing doubles you know we we have a great time out there you know when we um, did well in Australia last year after beating Chapo and Pospisil and Granollers the Bios. You know, we kind of decided, look, man, let's play as much as we can this year. So all the single tournaments he's played in, we've, we've played doubles that we could get into. And, uh, you know, he loves yeah. us playing together. I love us playing together because I also, I hold him accountable. You know, like if uh, if I see him kind of dipping in, in his energy level or whatnot, I, I make sure he brings it up because, you know, in doubles, you got to keep that energy. But it also helps him in the singles matches. He needs to stay focused and and uh, and he mentions all the time to me how much through the doubles it's helping his singles with the volleys. You know, yeah. we saw in the last two matches he was using a lot of drop volleys. Not today, well, a few, few today, but yesterday he was coming in quite a lot and using a lot of drop volleys. We were we were uh, laughing about it last night on the phone that you know his volleys have improved a ton, and uh, and he sees a difference. So it's awesome to see. Yeah, I like that intel that Ferreira's uh, keeping him accountable. That adult, uh, kind of adulting here a little bit. Like, okay, you're you're growing up. You're still just 23, but you know, taking some yep. accountability. And I, I love to hear that. That it's you know, it's clearly had yep. an effect on him. And you know, just something that I've seen, Nick, is that the tennis season is so long. You go tournament to tournament, as you know, and he's handling losses better. Like he's turning the page quickly, going on to the next 100%. tournament. And I think that's yep. a big factor as well. And I really do believe that 2022 is like a big sliding doors moment for a lot of tennis players, obviously, but for him, yeah. for what he's done, this is that moment where I think it, it could really be the takeoff point for him to get seated, get into the top 20 potentially. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you talk about, 
he's been turning the page. You know, as tennis players, we have to have a short-term memory. And for him, when he lost in Antwerp against Andy Murray, it was three hours and 40 minutes. And, you know, as I said, I was there. And, and we had dinner after that at the hotel. It was midnight, 12, 12.15. I remember looking at the watch. And, and uh, you would think that as a, as a player, you'd be pretty down and upset and just be like, woe is me, you know. But he, he, he had an amazing approach. He was like, man, that was some amazing tennis out there. Like, obviously – you know, I would have loved to have won it. And the match was on Wednesday. And he was like, you know, obviously I would have loved to have won it. I would have loved to come through. But, I mean, I felt like I gave everything I had. And, and you know, I wanted to see how he would react the next week. Because I said, look, you're playing great tennis. You're doing everything the right way. Just stay positive. And then, sure enough, he lost that match on Wednesday. Goes to Vienna. Plays qualies on Saturday. Gets through qualies Saturday, Sunday. And then makes the finals of Vienna. Right? So, he was able to turn the page quickly and just two days later get through two rounds of qualifying and then make the finals of Vienna. So he's like, you know, that's a great point that you made. Yeah. He's moving on quickly from losses and realizing that he's playing well and, and the sky's the limit. Certainly is. Uh, as we just put a bow on Stockholm, there's a couple other players in there. Just one in particular I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on, Nick, because you called some of his match today. Felix is into the semifinals, and uh, he's starting to look, at least in this match today, my perspective, he's playing more efficient tennis. Like, I feel like the serve has really come along, and he's kind of staying more calm and less erratic in some of these big moments. Is that something you're picking up on as well as he gets further along in his pro career? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, he he's, uh, you know, we've always known that he works hard and and he's going to be the ultimate professional. And, and sometimes he can kind of be a little bit up and down on the forehand side because the forehand can, you know, he's got a huge forehand, but it can be kind of up and down. But right now, yeah, he's, he's not as erratic with it. He's looking to come forward a lot more, which is something I practiced with him quite a lot. Actually, this year we played doubles in Stuttgart, and I practiced with him some here and there throughout the year. And his coach really works on him, taking balls in from the middle of the court, looking to come in with his forehand. And, and they work a lot on volleys. So, you know, they know that that's something that he needs to improve consistently and be able to do against these top guys and not just play from the baseline, even though obviously he can do that. Um, but he's evolving as a player. His coach, Fred Fontag, who's from France, um, is and used to work with Bostrick Pospisil, is doing a great job with Felix. And he feels like he has the right team around him now. And, uh, you know, as we said, this guy's limit for Bo. It's definitely for Felix as well. These guys are moving up quick. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Nick Monroe here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Felix, as well as Tiafo Shapovalov and Andy Murray, headline who's still alive in that Stockholm Open. But looking at the next-gen finals, another tournament that's going on this week that has the best of the young crop of players. Nick, I know we're not going to date ourselves on how old we are, but being around for a little bit, this is a new format. It's catching on. It's been going on for quite a bit. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on just the format, the first to four, no ad scoring, it's played on a singles court. Just the type of tennis and the format that they're playing. Is it something that you're a fan of, or is it still kind of a little weird to you? No, I love it. I love it. I think I think for this for this next gen deal, it's about showing something different. You know, the HB is trying out different things as far as giving a little coaching on the side and 
now the one bathroom break of three minutes and the one minute warm up. The guys are having to come out and be ready to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've been able to speak to Holger Rune. I've been able to speak to Brandon Nakashima. You know, these guys are, are really actually enjoying it. I mean, it's fast, you know, and, and you got to come out hot from the very beginning. These deciding points can, can change matches quickly, as we saw today. I mean, Alcaraz is playing Sarundalo. First three games went to the deciding point. Alcaraz won all three, so he's up 3-0, you know, and then he ends up winning 4-0. And so it's amazing how it can kind of just change matches one way or the other. But um, I feel like these players, by playing this first of four, no ads, it's only going to help them in pressure situations leading into the beginning of the year because, you know, once it's 40-30, they're going to feel like, okay, let me get this point, you know. So these pressure situations are are huge, especially for young players to, to again, stay in the moment yeah. and uh, and be ready for, for those types of opportunities. So I think I think it's great what the, what the HB is doing, and, and it's fun, right? I, I mean, I'm really enjoying commentating it. It's made it more fun. I think the players are, are enjoying how quickly it can go, and the fans are as well. The players buying in is a huge part of this, too. And I think, part you know, you saw that Musetti-Gaston match that was two hours and 38 minutes. I don't even know how that's possible in the format that they're playing, but they played forever out there. I think part of that has to do with these are young guys that are on the rise together, and they want to distinguish themselves in that group. Nobody has done that more in the last year, definitely the last couple months, Nick, than Carlos Alcaraz. He uh, had arguably the shot of the year against Nakashima, Nakashima in that point as well, but he won again today. 30 match wins, the youngest guy to do that on tour since Rafael Nadal. Carlos Alcaraz, I mean, I'm just, I'm already just gushing about what he's doing, but the kid is on the rise, and it, it, there's no stopping in sight, it seems. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, uh, you know, people are already kind of talking about him even a few years ago, saying he was the, the young Rafa and the next Rafa and it's like oh well, wait 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 you know we, yeah. he's very good but let's see where he's going to go and he's obviously showing that I mean with his forehand and he's improved his serve even from the U.S. Open I mean this guy's lighting up serves at like 130 135 with ease so it looks like he's got even a little bit more pump he can put into it and uh you just see how positive and how in the moment he stays throughout matches I mean you don't see the kind of up and downs that, that we saw maybe from Holger Rune today and and looking at you know within the coach and getting negative. I mean, Alcaraz is very, very positive, even keel. Um, and I mean, his game style is completely different from a lot of Spanish players, right? He stands on the baseline, yeah. looks to come forward, ultimate, ultra, um, ultimately very aggressive in everything that he does. And, and, uh, and that's only, that's only going to be a positive for him, right? I mean, he's very good at defending as well if he needs to. And, and he's got the right coach in Juan Carlos Guerrero, somebody who's been there, number one, former number one in the world. So he's got, again, the right team around him. I mean, just watching him play in this next-gen final, it's like uh, you don't know who, who can stop this guy. You know, I don't feel like anyone can really stop him at this moment. Right. He doesn't play like, you know, he's not a carbon copy style-wise as Rafael Nadal, but it's that competitiveness, it's that fight that I don't know if it's something in the water yeah, in Spain, I mean, he, but they have he, that. <laughs> yeah, and he even talks about how he, you know, he kind of patterns his game a little bit off of Roger Federer, you know, and some people say, He's a mix of Rafa, Federer, and Djokovic, right? Because he returns very well. He yeah. looks to come forward like Federer does. And then he has that competitive nature of, of Rafa. And obviously all three have the competitive nature. But just that that killer instinct, you can feel it from Alcaraz as well. And uh, so if you put all those three things together, uh, that's, that's pretty amazing for him. 
Well, before we go and check in on the WTA women's final, the uh, final of their event last year, I want to put a bow on something else that I saw, and that was the Paris Masters as the men get ready to end their tennis year. It is still, and we were just talking about Alcaraz taking inspiration from the big three. It's pretty remarkable that a guy, anybody, let alone Novak Djokovic, can take time off after such a draining loss, just come back into a tournament and just win another Masters. No, absolutely. I mean, it, again, it, it, it's one of those things where he obviously has extreme confidence in his ability, right? But by the same token, he just, you talk about being the ultimate professional. I mean, he, he's, he's very positive. When he gets to tournaments, he's just focused on himself, focused on what he needs to do. And obviously being in charge of the PTPA as well, he's got some, some other things going on. But Novak Djokovic, I mean, he's putting a stamp on. He knows what his goals are. I mean, being tied at 20 grand slams with Federer and Rafa, he knows he obviously wants to have the most so he can be considered the greatest of all time. But he makes sure that he also wants to make sure that these guys know that, that you know, even if it's Masters 1000, he's trying to win that one as well so that, you know, he has that fear factor going into the slams. You know, when Rafa right. goes to the French, people people are scared to play him when, when they step on the court. And now it's gotten to that point kind of with Novak where when he steps on the court in these slams, I mean, he, he's already up a set. So the guys don't really even feel like they can they can hang with him. And then, uh, you know, and then Novak's on top of you before you know it. His return was remarkable, especially the fact that in that match against Medvedev, he lost the first set that was four straight sets lost to him, and he completely changed his tactics. He went serve and volley almost 50% yep. of the time, and it worked. And it was a statement win. I don't think he, he doesn't strike me, Nick, as a guy that's about revenge, but he needed to, yeah, like you said, send a message. Like, I'm still here. I'm still the apex yep. of this game. And as good as Medvedev's yep. been, it's it's still... Novak's tour at the top. No, absolutely. And, and again, I think that it just shows how you need to be adaptable in tennis, right? Not to stay the same. I mean, Novak knows, okay, I've won 20 slams playing one way, but now you have another guy in Medvedev that's able to put just as many balls in the court as Djokovic. And so, okay, how do we get around that? And so now he started serving and volleying and serving volleyed over 20 times. And it just shows that you can do that even against other players, right? So for a guy like Francis Tiafo, he's serving a ball in a little bit more. So I think some of these young guys and are seeing, they saw Novak do it, and they're like, oh, the serving volley still works. And yes, it does, you know. And, and, and I think just Novak being adaptable is something that makes him, obviously, one of the greatest of all time, and, and he's continuing to rise. There's more where that came from in terms of Djokovic and Medvedev down the road. These are the two top players by far in the 2021 season. We'll see if that continues on into 2022. Uh, shifting gears, our final you know tournament to check in on the end of the WTA calendar, the finals in Guadalajara, Mexico. Different, but an opportunity again because it is unable to be held in Asia. So Guadalajara gets the tournament, and it's been very receptive. We saw that last night in a thrilling match. Pliskova defeats Muguruza in three sets, eight six in the tiebreak, a two and a half hour match, and the stands were packed. So again, an opportunity for a place and a very tennis crazed country to get some high level quality tennis at the end of the year. Nick, it was great to see. No, absolutely. It's great to see, you know, having the top, top eight there in Guadalajara, Mexico. I played there a few times and it's not the easiest place to play. I mean, one time I played there in a the challenger, we used pressureless balls. The next year we used normal balls and 5,000 feet of altitude there. So the ball's moving quick and, and the women there are using what's called high altitude balls. So it's a little bit of pressureless. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to watch, the matches too and watch how the women adapt to how fast that ball's moving 
and they're doing a great job. I mean, the tennis has, has been amazing. And as you said, I mean, it's packed house. And so that's great for the WTA and great for the women's tour. It's a huge opportunity for these players to the field is not what you would expect. There's been so many mainstays in this event. I know Serena hasn't played it in the last couple of years, but Naomi Osaka is not there. Ash Barty, Simona Halep, Svitolina, even Sloane Stevens. There's eight women here that a bunch of them are making their first time debut. I think six of them are. So there is an opportunity there. And, and I also think Nick, there's, this is like the best kept secret in tennis is about to get exposed. That's Annette Kontaveit. She goes through Barbara Krejcikova in the first match there. <laughs> She's won 11 straight, 27 out of 29 matches. And yep. I think we're starting yep. to finally get that mainstream appeal. Like, whoa, this is like a legit top 10 tennis player. No, absolutely. You know, we felt like Barbara Krejcikova kind of came out of nowhere with that win at the French Open. And, and she's backed it up. And then now you see Contabiet backing, backing it up as well with going 27-2 and two in, the, in these last 29 matches. And, and a lot of it has to do with her coach, right? She just changed a new coach, Dmitry Torzhenov, right before Cincinnati. And he used to work with Sabalenka. And he's one of those players that when he used to play, he had a massive forehand. And he's kind of relayed that into when he's working with Sabalenka, obviously a massive forehand there. But with Contabiet, just being a bit more aggressive on the forehand side and and just looking to just play aggressive tennis overall. And I think uh, Contabiet's gotten a lot of confidence from Dimitri and she's just kind of, you know, she's riding the ship and uh, it'd be interesting to see how far she can go with it. I mean, she definitely will feel like she can probably win that tournament in Guadalajara. She's winning everything else, so why not? Yeah, the last lady to qualify for this event, and it's weird to say, but she's got to be one of the favorites going into this thing. Now, Looking at it, I know we've had one day of uh, group play. The second group is about to start today. Do you see any of these players as like a favorite in this event based on the conditions, based on how they're playing, maybe their game style? Or do you think this is as wide open as it appears? Uh, no, I mean, I think that I think that with Sabalenka, obviously, I think with in Guadalajara, as, as I said, that, that ball's moving extremely quickly. So for me, I mean, I think that Sabalenka could be a favorite. Um, just because she hits the ball so hard, right? Like, yeah. so the ball, she's going to hit the ball hard. It's going to go through the air and it's going to be a lot about movement. You know, who can make sure they get to the ball in time because it's it, with 5,000 feet, it's going to be moving quick. So but for me, it's uh, it's going to be either Sabalenka or Contabiet just because she's just, uh, you know, so dialed in right now. So but for me, it's, it's going to be probably between those two. Yeah, Sabalenka is a good call. I agree with you there. I, I know that consistency has been an issue with her and a, and a lot of other yeah. players, but yeah. Her, her apex game. I mean, I don't. I, you're 100 percent right in my opinion that if she's playing her best, she is the best player here. Yeah, I mean, she's playing her best. I mean, with her serve and her forehand, and especially in those conditions in Guadalajara, I mean, it, it, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. I mean, you almost don't want to come to the net because she could. I mean, it, you don't really understand it until you're in those conditions playing there. But I just remember a couple times I played there, I felt like number one, it was hard to control the ball. But if you could control it and you could get a good hit on it you were always in control of the point. And if she gets a good hit on a shot, she's going to be in control of every point. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Nick Monroe on Tennis Channel Inside In. It has been a blast talking to you. Uh, very last thing I mentioned at the top, you're, you're still a dual threat playing and commentating. Uh, how excited are you for the Indian Wells World Team Tennis season to start off? You'll be playing Chicago Smash, looking to get the job done this year. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we start actually in two days on Saturday uh, playing for Chicago Smash. So we've got Sloan Stevens and actually Francis Tiafo is on our team, although he's still in Stockholm. He'll be making his way over when he gets done. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've got a great squad. Um, so we'll be we'll be excited. I know Taylor Fritz is on another team. Uh, Mackie McDonald playing for Springfield Lasers. Steve Johnson's on a team. So there's quite, you know, a lot of teams have some great players. And, and just, you know, I think for for us as players, we always travel alone, whether it's singles or doubles. Um, but to be on a team, and, and if you're not able to play Davis Cup or whatnot, to be on a team again, for me, going from college to World Team Tennis is awesome. Just to have support from other players and support them as well and uh, try to win for each other. So it'll be a blast. I, I definitely agree, and I think that there's some hidden value in there in terms of not just being on a team, but you see young players learning from older players that transfer of knowledge and you know, the last couple of years, especially players that have bought in and played World Team Tennis, a lot of them on the singles side have gone on to great success immediately following that World Team Tennis season. Yeah, and again, I think it comes down to the fast format, right? And I think it's the, the first of five games and no ad scoring, and so you're having a lot of pressure moments. Same thing we were talking about with the next-gen final, how, you know, I think those players will then, you know, Holger Rune's going to go play two more challengers after next-gen. Don't, don't be surprised if he wins both of them. Um, he wants to make sure he gets top 100 for Australian Open, he's around 106. But yeah, it's just those pressure moments that then lead into helping you in the normal tour and, and just being ready. So um, World Team Tennis is always a great time, and I'm excited to get out there. Nick Monroe, you can find him on the Tennis Channel Airwaves. He's playing doubles, uh, still on tour, going strong, and he'll be at Indian Wells for World Team Tennis for the Chicago Smash. Nick, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate you coming on again. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Nick Monroe on Tennis Channel Inside In. You can find this episode on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcast, where, where all your podcast platforms are. We will be back next week. More interviews with the top players, more commentary as we preview the ATP Finals and wrap up the 2021 tennis season. For Nick Monroe, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.